0: Exclusive to Jacaranda FM. It's the Drive with Rob and Roz. Jacaranda FM. We're lucky this afternoon to be sitting down with um, a man who's hoping to change the face of South African politics. Sengwezozo Zibi, welcome to the Drive with Rob and Roz. Thank you, and thanks for having me here. I wanted to start with talking about your life and your upbringing and so on and so forth, and we'll get there. But you're a man who's run the corporate ladder. You were a journalist in South Africa. Why do you want to be a politician? So I'm also a writer,
1: and I don't want to be a politician, actually. But I do want to change the country. But that necessitates that you go into politics because it's unavoidable. But the big driver is that we have to be a different country and the country that we all hope for and deserve.
2: I love yeah. that you've said you don't want to be a politician, but it needs master. So it's almost like a calling, like you can't ignore that knock at the door.
1: No, I, I can't, and many people can't, I think, a I think all of us have an interest in politics. We all talk about politics all the time, but we usually don't feel qualified enough to, uh, t- to get involved in politics. But I think the experience of the last, uh, say, 10 to 15 years has shown us that people like ourselves are actually very qualified (laughs) to get into politics.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, the the irony of being unqualified.
1: I was eventually confident enough to to go into politics. But but seriously, we we all need to step up, I think, in different ways. But we we can't just sit back anymore. And some of us have to go into politics.
0: You grew up in the Eastern Cape. You grew up predominantly with your grandfather and your grandmother and so on. Like, take us through your story.
1: So uh, so I'm, I'm the first grandchild at home. Uh, And uh, my name, actually, Song Ezo, uh, is an addition to my grandparents' children. That's what it means. Uh, So I'm their sort of last, last born, uh, as it were. I was born 47 years ago. And uh, they raised me uh, effectively. My grandmother passed away first in 1990. I was in uh, standard eight. It's grade 10 these days. And my grandfather passed away in in 1999. I was grown up and and working and, and had a car. But I grew up in a village. Uh, I still have a home there. My mother lives there. Many of my relatives live in the Eastern Cape, uh, in the village or in the surrounding towns and and cities. And I grew up heading cattle and sheep and, 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 and. So I had a normal South African childhood.
0: You went to school there. You went off to university. Fairly early on, you got the opportunities to travel. Traveler feels like such an important thing to open someone's eyes up about the rest of the world.
1: Mm -hmm. If there was one thing I could do for every South African, if I could, if I could, if I had enough money, I would make sure every South African gets to travel overseas. Because you you get a sense of how abnormal the things we accept as normal are. So let me give a very quick example. I I arrived in, in Germany on my very first overseas trip on the 9th of September, 2001. Right. And on September 11, obviously, the World Trade Center bombings took place and so on. And a couple of days later, after the Frankfurt Motor Show, I went to Wolfsburg. I worked for Volkswagen, went to Wolfsburg. But on that day, at midday, there was going to be a moment of silence. So I'm walking down the street in Wolfsburg. There was a siren that sounded and people stopped. Like literally, they stopped walking. And I walked on for a while and I was like, okay, there's a siren, we should be running. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there is a sense of order in, in Germany that doesn't need the cops to get involved in instances where here, you need somebody to say, shh, keep quiet, like, you know, those kind of things. So those things, I feel South Africans should see. And I've seen those kind of things in, uh, in Europe. I've seen them on the African continent. I was in Zambia. I spent a lot of time in Zambia. I felt a hell of a lot safer than I do here at all. In places where I would feel very unsafe here, but there, the energy is just
2: whew. I want to actually go back to your experience in Zambia. What was it specifically about that place that, that touched you? So apart from the fact that for me, Zambia is like home
1: because of the of the struggle, uh, so I just have an affinity to Zambia and Zambians and and just being in Zambia. It really, truly, truly feels like being back here in in many ways, and maybe i 'm overly sentimental so, so i 've had good experiences in Zambia, but i 've also had things that have absolutely terrified me right and so i 've had these good experiences where like you feel safe, people are super friendly. You know, there are issues, but people are generally friendly, you know. And, and then there are things that scared me, like when I went to the ZNBC, which is the SABC equivalent. Believe me, I saw what the SABC was going to look like under Cloudy when I went there. It, it was terrible. I had to lend the people my, my earphones uh, for them to do a sound check on the camera for an interview for their breakfast show. Uh, And then they stopped the interview and went to fetch a picture of the president. And then it was like put up behind me in some type of it was a circus. So you you kind of see things that touch you in a good way, but also things where you go, hey, man, we must never get there.
0: You started out in corporate, then swapped across to journalism, which I read you were saying you had always wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Um, Always wanted to be a journalist. And I mean, you ran yourself up to the very top of that ladder and then walked away from that as, as an author and went back into corporate kind of thing, and now you're switching again. What Was it about working in media that's given you a sort of different perspective? Because I find like media and often law, a bit of experience in those two places, gives you an ability to look around the rest of the world slightly differently. So let me flip
1: that around. I was very grateful that I had an opportunity to work for companies before becoming a journalist. So in other words, to work in the real economy, mm. to understand how it works and so on. It really helped me with my job as editor at Business Day because I knew what to look for and, and that sort of thing. And I'll make a very short example. I would ask the guys to, to look, look at things like, things that are out of place in the economy. So you know those three-wheeled things that, you uh, know, train how training So I asked the guys so who owns those things, how many are they? Like, that's an investment into the economy, right? How many cranes do we have in Santin? Yeah. Uh, like, people, journalists will wait for somebody to come out with a report. Like, don't wait. The evidence is there. Go and talk to somebody. They might, you'll break a story that way. So it was very helpful. But journalism gets you into conversations you would never get into if you had another job. You know, like you're saying, it's like being a... In, in, in the law, yeah. uh, because you intersect with people from different uh, walks of life. And yeah. that was very beneficial for me.
0: Tell us about your home life and wife and kids and family. Are you a, are you a serious
1: dad? I am, no, I am a serious dad. So I mean, my, my definition of family is like bigger. So the the, the the nuclear ZB clan has got like 35 people. <laughs> <Nuclear>. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, so those are the people that, that have Christmas lunch together. <laughs> So this seriously, there's about thirty-five people. But then I also have a wife and kids uh, here in Centurion. I'm not far from here, by the way. And uh, we we live. We've been married with babes since 2006. Uh, we both worked at Volkswagen, and, and we met at the induction presentation. She was a she was a grand. she was a great she was a great. And after lunch, I was doing a presentation, I can't remember what about, to the new joiners. And and she fell asleep while I was talking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what is keeping you busy when you're not doing the things that are now your job, like the journalism and the writing and the politics now? What is... A fun thing that keeps you busy, aside oh, you mean, from the Liverpool you, you, football you, you team. You mean?
1: You mean? <laughs> you mean the fun things that yes. I was going to tell you that I, I spend the rest of my time thinking about the things I need to be doing. <laughs> uh, I actually get a lot of joy out of writing. I honestly, honestly, do. To a lot of people, it's work. For me, it's not. It's your. It's a lot. But then I've also got to have fun with my kids. You've
2: got to make as much of the time with them as As, you can. can.
1: Yeah, and and I've got a a sort of a a, a young guy there. He's 14. He's at the High Performance Center in Pretoria. He wants to, he thinks, uh, you know, I won't need to work for much longer because he is going to play in the English Premiership.
2: I have a nine-year-old who's also going to play in the English Premiership. Wow, we can maybe meet each other at matches in like 10, 15 years. I'm trying to explain to
1: him that, listen, you know, like... So I do spend quite a bit of time at his games. Uh because they've played in the league, they play knockout. They're heading down to Cape Town for a tournament and and so that's part of
0: it as well. What position does he play?
1: He's actually fairly versatile. You know, he he thinks he's a striker. I think he's a better winger than a than okay. a, than, a, than a striker. I mean to no, he's a Felipe Coutinho if he was a Oh, he wasn't Okay, Liverpool. that's high praise. He's yeah, no, and and I feel so bad, guys, because he used to come back from school and say, Daddy has scored five goals. Like, okay, no, well done. And then like, Daddy has got four goals. Like, eventually I went to watch him. I, I cried actually. I actually couldn't believe how good he is. And and how much energy and appetite he has for practicing the same shot. 300 times
0: until it gets it right. I'm just looking forward to the day we see the number eight ZB walking yeah. out
2: to <laughs> the end. I read something that you said where there are people who haven't been born in this country yet that are basically already born into a cycle of yeah. poverty and and not being able to achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah,
0: A big part of your thinking seems to be like, what does South Africa look like for my kids in the future? Yeah. If you say you have a child who is willing to spend the time and stay after and do the 300 shots and try and be mm. the best, is it about creating a space for them in the rest of the country where they can do the best they can?
1: I'll make just two points. Firstly, it's what you're saying, but I'll come back to it. I come from a village, and let me just paint a picture quickly. About, I would say, more than half of the young men, younger than 30, are in prison or dead or addicted to drugs. That's really so important to me that we must be a country where that's not a given. And that's in a village, right? It's not even like in an urban area. It's in a village. And, and, and there are many places where that is the case. That just can't be the country that we're in. But the flip side of that is that you want to create a country where there are endless possibilities for, for kids or for young people that are born in, in, in those circumstances, that they can dream of playing for Man United, <laughs> whatever, you know, like uh, being a radio host or whatever, and it's not, it's not obstacle after obstacle that's unnecessary, that they have a chance in life.
0: The difference in opportunities that people have, not just South Africa to the rest of the world, but within South Africa, depending on who you are and where you're yeah. born and so on, like they're, they're real issues, and it doesn't feel like we're doing enough to address them.
1: We can do better. As a, this is a sad thing. South Africa has a leadership problem. It doesn't have a resource problem. Success is an exception where it need not be. And, and, and rugby shows that it need not be an exception. It should be an expectation. Right? We expect the box to do well because they do do well. Right? Do we expect Bafana Bafana and athletics to do well? No, to be honest.
2: Absolutely I absolutely true. love that the success has become the exception here instead of the expectation. So what is the South Africa that you hope for? What does that look like?
1: So that South Africa is, is a place where the really simple things work. Honestly, you know, there is so much opportunity in not having to overcome an obstacle that should not be there. You know, so we lose so much energy and just mental preoccupation and stress from things that don't work. And let me use a very simple example. Traffic lights that don't work. A lot of people, by the time they get to work, think of the number of people who, by the time they get to work, that brilliant idea they had is gone. gone. You're stressed, you're annoyed, the power is off, you don't want to smash and grab. And honestly, those things sap your energy away. And I think other countries, run away successfully from where we are because they don't have to worry about simple things. I've got very low expectations. Let's just get the simple things to work so that people can reach their potential. Then we can do big stuff, but start with the simple stuff.
0: Start with the little things at the bottom. You were saying in your downtime, you spend thinking about all of the stuff that yeah. you need to do in your uptime. <laughs> yeah. When you think about even the simple things that need doing... Does it feel overwhelming? Because it does feel overwhelming to me to think about. No, it it can feel overwhelming, but uh,
1: generally not. Because you know, it's it's like anything. Once you are in the race, you know, you don't worry about running against Usain Bolt because he's already running next to you, you know, or ahead of you. <laughs> so you're not worried about that anymore. You just want to finish. So that's that's not the, the worry. The thing that scares me sometimes is when I see the growing number of people who believe in what we're doing. And, and then I worry about us not failing, not because I think we're going to fail, but just not wanting to disappoint people.
0: Once the expectation is there, then you, yeah. then you, you feel like you need to raise your own game. I, I yeah. get that.
1: So every day is about how do we raise our game? Yeah. Every day, how do we raise our game?
0: Um, you have a big job ahead of you if you yeah. want to do this thing. Yeah. So we wish you all the best. And we thank you very, very much for your time coming on the show this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. <laughs> It, it. Exclusive to Jackaranta FM, it's The Drive with Rob and Roz. Jackaranda FM.